Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Center. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob Biswell. Jesus, we love you this morning. You're so worthy of our worship and you're so worthy of our praise. And God, we give you the adoration that only you deserve. Father, I thank you for everything that you're doing in this house and the lives of those in this room this morning, God. That you're bringing breakthrough to areas where breakthrough is needed. That, Father, you're releasing healing where healing is needed. You're delivering where deliverance is needed. Because you are presently working in our lives. You're not distant. You're not far off. You are present. You are the ever-present help in time of need. And Father, we thank You for Your presence this morning. We thank You, God, that You are bringing that breakthrough that we've been crying out for, God. And we thank You that You're rescuing souls from the snares of the hell. And Father, we thank You that many are coming into the kingdom in this season. That the harvest is white and we are ready to reap the harvest, God. We thank You, Father. Let us be laborers in Your vineyard. Father, I thank You for Your Word this morning. I thank You, Father, that it's alive and it's active. And Father, I thank You for the, preach, for the anointing that makes preaching easy. That, Father, when I reach my hands out, when I pull them back, it would be Your handprint left. It would be Your evidence that Your Word has gone forth, God. We thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated in His presence this morning. How many of you love His presence this morning? Come on, isn't it good? I'll tell you, I, I do long for live worship, but uh, you know, worshiping Jesus is just what it's about. Whether it's live worship or recorded worship, it's about Him and His presence. Amen? But hey, if you do play an instrument or in worship, see Hannah, our worship leader, because she wants to build the team back up. All right, turning your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. That's where we're going to be this morning. And over the next several weeks, we're going to be in the book of Judges, uh, looking at the life of Gideon. And so Gideon is, is a, a prominent character in Scripture. I'm sure we've heard many messages about Gideon, but that's where we're going to be. Judges chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord handed them over to Midian for seven years. The power of Midian prevailed against Israel because of Midian. The sons of Israel made for themselves the dens which were in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever Israel had sown, the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the people of the east and march against them. So they would camp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel, nor a sheep, ox, or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come in like locusts in number, and both they and their camels were innumerable. And they came into the land to ruin it. So Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Israel's in a tragic time. They have rebelled against God. They are running from God. And as a consequence, God allowed huge oppression against the nation via their enemies. And this went on for seven years. The oppression was as such that everything they planted would be destroyed. All of their livestock would be stolen, killed, eaten. 
everything that they put their hands to seemed to fail. Have we ever been in one of those seasons, right, where, where we're running from God? Has anyone ever run from God? I've run from God. I think we've all been in that season where we've run from God, and it seems like everything we put our hand to seems to fail. And that's what's happening with the Israelites at this time. And, and they're running from God, and they're hiding, and they're living in dens, and they're living in caves. Their agricultural attempts were destroyed, and they were resulting in starvation. This is where they're at. And finally, they get to the point after seven years where they start crying out to God. God help. And the result is, is that God sends a prophet to them to adjust them back to himself. And you can read that in verses 7 to 10. But I want to jump down to verse 11. Because God sets a stage for a deliverer to come to their aid. So in verse 11... We read this, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, and his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord was with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are the miracles which our fathers told us about? Saying, did the Lord not bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. And the Lord looked at him and said, Go in this strength of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? But he said to him, O Lord, how am I to save Israel? Behold, My family is the least in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my father's house. Yet the Lord said to him, I will certainly be with you, and you will defeat Midian as one man. What an incredible story of how God reaches into our insecurities and reaches into our family history and decides that he's going to use us. Here's Gideon. Comes from a family steeped in idolatry in the worship of Baal. And he's suddenly thrown from obscurity to infamy, and given the privilege of seeing the development of one of Israel's greatest deliverers. And where do we find Gideon? Hiding in a wine press to try and feed his family. Here is Gideon treading out the wheat in a place where you wouldn't expect it because he's determined that the enemies would not find him in the wine press. The enemies had already taken everything they had, and so here. Gideon hiding away in what he knows and there's, there's no grapes and he's taking the few sheaves that he has and he's treading out the wheat. And the angel of the Lord appears. And there's a great understanding that I've come to see is that God will always encounter people who are called to great things. Now your encounter may be different, but I can guarantee you that when you're called to great things, God will show up in your life. He comes from this family steeped in idolatry. And here he is in the middle of the wine press. And I've made it a habit, you know, whenever I encounter someone who's walking in a great anointing, I always ask him, what encounter did you have with the Lord? What was the pivotal moment? Now, not everyone's going to have an angel show up and not everyone's going to have some open heaven experience, but they're going to have something where God encountered them, where something shifted in their life. And, and so we have to look at this moment in Gideon's life where God shows up and shifts the course of his future. See, in Gideon's mind, his history had already been written. 
I'm just going to tread out the little bit of wheat that I have in this wine press, and I'm going to try and survive because God has abandoned us. And this is the mentality that, that Gideon is living in. But listen, anyone I've, come to, I've heard of that's come to know and has used been great by God has had some point of defining life-changing encounter. We can look at it all through the Bible. Moses in the burning bush. Jacob wrestling at night with the angel. Joseph and his dreams. Paul the apostle on the road to Damascus. Of great men and women over the centuries have had encounter. We can go all the way back to the early church. We can look at Tertullian and his encounter with the Lord. And, and we can look at great men of God over the years and great women of God over the years. One of my mothers in the faith, Jill Austin, had a 21-day visitation from the Lord that propelled her into a new level of anointing and really got her onto the world stage. I mean, she was carrying revival in the early 90s when no one else was walking in this stuff. And one of the things that I advise any believer who wants to do something significant for God is pray for an encounter. Because God wants to shift your life. Begin to seek the Lord to encounter you because He wants to shift something in your life that will take you from your wine press, your place of obscurity, your place of hiddenness, your place of fear. Because if we really get down to it, so many of us live in a winepress of fear of what the enemy has done to us and we truly believe that God has abandoned us. We've talked for several weeks about the harvest and, and accomplishing God's will for our lives and many of us are still hiding in our winepress. We're afraid to get out of the wine press because we feel like everything's gone wrong. But God will visit you in your wine press. I think about my own life when Jesus showed up at six years of age. I'd gone through tremendous abuse. There were things that happened that I would never say from a stage. But Jesus showed up when I was six and it set me on this course but then when I was eight, I had something even better happen. I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that filled me with this power. Now, we, we often in Pentecost look at the evidence of the, the filling of the Holy Spirit as speaking in tongues, but that's just a byproduct of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon you is you receive power. And there was this encounter. But see, there was this thing on the inside of me that because of what I had gone through, it will create a desperation on the inside of you. And this morning as we were worshiping, I could feel this thing in the atmosphere that some of you are in a desperate place. But let me guarantee you that desperation brings visitation. When you get desperate for God, there is visitation that comes. And so there's this place that we can experience God. And there's some things in God that only come because we seek Him with focus and determination and desperation that nothing can stop us from having that visitation. But where was Gideon in the middle of this? Because some of you have lost your desperation. You're not desperate for God. You're just desperate to survive. You're desperate for your miracle. You're desperate for your breakthrough. And the angel comes to Gideon in the wine press and says, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. And here's what I love about this moment is that God did not speak to correct his weakness, but he spoke to reinforce his strength and potential. 
I'm going to say that again. God did not speak in that moment to correct Gideon's weakness. He spoke to reinforce his strength and his potential. See, there's two ways that we can bring change to a person. We can speak to them about their failures. And it might be said this way. If you want to become all God wants for you, then you have to deal with ABC in your life. And until then, God can't use you. Could be failures, sin areas, character weaknesses. But here's the problem with this. We already all know those areas. We all know our weaknesses. We know our fears. We know the things. And we already realize they hinder us. And I'm already wrestling with them. And it doesn't help me to have you tell me about them. And the problem is this, is that you tell me I'm going to enter all that God has for me, then I have to deal with such and such area, then I will have a sneaking suspicion that as soon as I deal with one area, there will be another area. Because here's the reality, y'all, is that we will always have an area to deal with. And so when we're seeking to become all that God has for us, God will speak into our lives to reinforce our strength and our potential. Because God wants to qualify us by Himself, not allow us to think that we qualify ourselves by dealing with all of our issues. The second way that we can bring someone into an encounter with the Lord or bring ourselves into an encounter with the Lord is that God will speak to the person about their potential. Here's how it works. You tell me what a great husband I am and then I want to live up to that potential. Because all of a sudden you perceive me as a great husband and I recognize my inadequacies and I begin to say, what can I do to live up to that perspective? You begin to say, oh, you're such a great pastor. And then I see my own inadequacies. I already know what I'm dealing with on the inside. So I then begin to say, okay, they view me as a great pastor. What can I do to maintain that? What do I need to deal with? Because dealing with things is between you and God. Because He wants to set you free. And so here's Gideon. Hey, valiant warrior, mighty man of valor. Am I really? By reinforcing my strengths, I'm motivated to deal with the hindrances to those strengths developing. This is a powerful leadership principle. When we are leading people, whether it's in church or whether it's in the business world, whether it's students, if we really want to lead people well, if we want to lead our families well, we need to begin to see what their strengths and potential are and begin to call those things out. See, the world has so rejected the church for so long because the church just comes and says, what's wrong with you? We have our list of sin issues, and some of us have favorite ones that we like to point out. So we carry them in our back pocket, and the minute we realize someone is dealing with a particular sin, we want to fix them. Because we want to present them to God. We think we can fix people and present them to God holy. But Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable and pleasing to God. And so the issue here is that God will speak into our potential. Now God, let me be clear, does not ignore sin. He does not ignore the issues in our life. But He will call out the greatness in you so that you have a mirror in front of you to see what He's called you to to get you to grow into that. He'll, he'll discipline His children. He'll deal with those things. And seeing people in their potential and not always in their failures will result in this. If we're wanting to reach a new level of anointing, effectiveness, and influence in our lives, we need to see ourselves as God sees us. To see the potential in our lives that God sees in us. That's why the New Testament is so full of so many images that we are the temple 
of the Holy Spirit. We are the children of God. We are more than a conqueror. We're a new creation. We could go on and on. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing. We're set free from the law of sin and death. See, when we come into the kingdom, y'all, we are set free from the law of sin and death. And some of us go around living like we're still under that law of sin. We've been set free from that law of sin and death. And you can get free of the things that so easily entangle you. So the first thing God does to Gideon to bring him out of fear and failure is to reinforce who he really is as God sees him. What is the issue? The issue is is that Gideon has issues in his own heart. Verse 13 we read, Then Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all of this happened to us? And where are all His miracles which our fathers told us about saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to many. How many of us have ever had that pity party before? Well, if God is really God, why is everything going the wrong way? If God really believes I'm a valiant warrior, why is my family a mess? Why are my finances a mess? Why is no breakthrough coming? And the angel replies and says to him, Go in the, in the strength of yours. <laughs> Go in this strength of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? But he said to him, Lord, how am I to save Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh. I uh, went on this wild goose chase last night that continued this morning talking with Greg. I was studying for this message and the Lord said, look up your your great-grandmother. And I thought, I don't know anything about her. I know her name was Inez. That's all I knew. And I knew that she was married to Shorty. That's all. It was Shorty and Inez. That's all I knew about him. And so I got onto Ancestry.com and, and I had you know, my grandparents' names. So it was Kenneth and Catherine. And so Catherine's mom was Inez. I knew that. So I start inputting information. And you start, you know, Ancestry is real great. If someone else has the information, it pops up. And so I start going. And, and so I went all the way back to 1666 when... Captain Jonathan Jacob Hunter was born. And so he was Captain Jonathan Jacob Hunter, and he was from Ireland, and he was born in Ireland or born in England, but his family was from Ireland, and they moved over to the States in 1722. He ran a prostitute house and grew cattle. That was the two things that he did. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And so now I'm following the line. And so he had all, you know, one child, and that child's name, I, I forget what it was. And then we get to Edward Hunter. And so he's my fifth great-grandfather. And so then he has a son named Edward Hunter Jr. Well, I just wrote that down. And so then this morning, I had this thought. I'm going to relook at it. So I go back and I'm relooking. I'm going through all the names and I'm writing down the children. Then I get to Edward Hunter. Well, Edward Hunter was the third bishop of the Mormon church. I'm going, what? And he had 27 children by two different wives. And I'm going, okay, so my lineage is a, a, a guy who ran a prostitute house and a multiple adulterer who founded a cult. Woo! That's great. And this is what, what Gideon says. My family is the least in Manasseh. We're the smallest family in the smallest tribe, and out of all of them, I'm the runt of the litter. I'm the little guy in the family, and you're calling me a mighty man of valor. You're saying that I have all this strength, 
but I'm the youngest, I'm the smallest. Yet the Lord said to him, I will certainly be with you and you will defeat Midian as one man. See, we're just full of issues, y'all. We all have our issues. We all have our family history. And sometimes our family history can develop bitterness and negativity and doubt and fear and everything else imaginable to stop them coming to the next level. And what does God do? Here's Gideon, full of moaning, criticism, criticizing God. God's abandoned us. He's left us behind. He's just full of stuff. And how does God respond? He ignores him. And he reinforces the commission. Go and do what I've called you to do. And even more questions arise. So first it's all of these bad things have happened, God. All of it's bad. And so the angel of the Lord says to him, just go and do it in your strength. So then more issues arise. Okay, maybe I can, I can go. But let me remind you, before you really tell me to go, my family sucks and I suck. We're all we're the smallest, and I'm the smallest. And what does do God do again? He ignores him. He says, I'll be with you, and you will defeat Midian as one man. In other words, go do what I told you to do. I don't care about all this stuff. I'm going to completely ignore all of your arguments about God. I'm going to completely ignore. And here's the point when, when we should just give it up. Forget the issues and just go become the man and woman of faith. Forget about all the things that you've gone through. Forget about your family issues. Forget about all of that and just believe God. Just go and do something for God and believe that He will work it all out. He says, I will send you in your strength. Go in this strength of yours. You say, see, people say that to me. Say to me when I say things like that. It's irresponsible to not deal with your issues first. I can go through the Bible and find a whole lot of people with a whole lot of issues. There was a meme a while back, you know, Jacob was a liar and, and Abraham, you know, had an affair and, and we can go down the list. David killed a man and God still used them. Now, God doesn't ignore issues. So let me say that again. But God will deal with them as you're being busy about doing what he asked you to do. He will sort you out. Just believe God because God is not obligated to answer our petty little issues. He is just wanting a few people to go in faith, believing Him and seeing what might happen. Well, what might people think? Don't worry about it. It's between you and God. Don't worry what they think is you're obeying God. What about, what about the, the, the current economic issues? Well, listen, what God calls, God provides for. We have seen that as a church time and time again. That's why we're so excited to share with you all that God did. I mean, y'all, listen, we started the year last year with, I, I, I can't even remember that, 48,000, 50,000 in debt. 50,000 in debt. That was negative debt. It was awful. It was bad. And here we are. We just paid off all those creditors and consolidated just the last little bit into the smallest payment we've ever had as a church. And God did that. God did that. So what about past failures? What about them? It's a new day. What about my lacks? His grace is sufficient. I'm inexperienced. So what? It's by faith anyway. Listen, I preach academia. I love academia. But listen, God used donkeys to talk in the Bible. 
I've always wanted to write a book. If God will use an ass, he'll use you. That's in the King James Version. You can't get offended. I haven't had enough training. Well, sometimes too much training turns us into professionals and robs us of faith. That's the issue sometimes with academia. We know it all here, but we don't know it out here. I haven't the time. Well, get off Facebook. Issue after issue. Put them aside and do the thing that God is calling you to do. I could give you every reason why it shouldn't work. You could give me every reason why it shouldn't work. But when you stand before God, He's not even going to respond to your issues. He's not going to say, well, you know, I can still use you, even though your, your great-grandfather to the eighth ran a prostitute house. You know, here's why. And He's not going to explain it. He's just going to say, go. Get. Go do it. Sometimes going to the next level is simply just having to go with all the questions and issues unanswered. We can spend our lives, and this is one of the issues I have with the inner healing movement, is people will spend years and years and years trying to get healed when God called them to go, and He doesn't care about the issues. As long as you go, He'll heal you. Now, is there a need for inner healing? Absolutely. Is there a need for deliverance? Yes, I can cast your devils out. Let's get them out. That'll make it easier for you to go. Deal with the issues later, but let's get the devils out. So all of that's necessary. But at the end of the day, your issues don't matter. Your demons don't matter. All of your family history, all of your failures, just go. Just become the man or woman of faith that God has called you to. And when you do that, He sorts it all out. 2 Corinthians 4.13 But having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. It's in the believing first. If I can believe the Word of God over my life, it will trump all of my issues. If I can believe what the Word of God... I'm not even saying you need a prophetic word. You've got the best prophetic word you've got right here. Every word in this book is alive and it's active. It'll rebuke you. It'll charge you. It'll transform you. Just get in the book. Get in Him. He is the living Word. You don't need another prophetic word to go. Just do what He's called you to do. Love on somebody. Share the gospel with somebody. I've been issuing that challenge every week. You have homework. Share the gospel with someone. Invite someone to church because it's in that when we accomplish His will, which was to seek and save that which was lost, He'll deal with all of our stuff and we'll walk into our purpose and destiny. Amen? So here's the call. Rise up in the same spirit of faith other believers before us have done. Gideon had a choice he could stay in the wine press. Hold on to his little bit of wheat. Some of you are just holding on to your little bit of wheat. The little bit of stuff that you've had to live on. And Gideon had a choice. I can tread out the rest of this wheat or I can climb out of this wine press. And I can go do what God has called me to do. Because God told me that as one man I'd defeat Midian. We're going to look at Gideon for the next several weeks and we're going to look at different aspects of this journey of how God calls us. Today, it's about going to the next level. Some of you just need to go to the next level of faith. You need to get over yourselves, get up and go. You need to just lay the issues at the altar. And that's what we're going to do this morning. 
We're going to have a time where you can come and I'll, I'll pray for people, but I want you just to get alone with God. Amber, if you'll cue some music, I want you to just get alone with God this morning and I want you to just leave the issues there. Just say, God, I'm not going to carry these any longer. I'm not going to hold on to the pain of my past. I'm not going to hold on to my family history. I'm not going to hold on to my own history. I'm going to lay it at the altar. I'm going to leave it at the cross and I'm going to go, I'm going to pick up my cross and I'm going to follow you. I'm leaving all my junk. See, here's the thing is that he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we pick up his cross, it's a lot lighter than carrying all of our junk. It's a lot lighter than carrying all of our past, all of our history. When we can just lay it at the cross and pick up his. Amen. Listen, this morning, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, that's the best decision you could ever make. Talked a lot about following him this morning. Talked about making this decision to let go of your past. The best way to do that is to choose to make Jesus your Savior. We're going to pray a prayer this morning. If you'll stand with me. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus this morning, for some of you this might be a little embarrassing, but I just, if you want to make that decision this morning, you want to follow Him, I just want you to lift your hand. Maybe you've been far from God and you feel like that relationship you once had is far away. You want to rededicate your life to Him this morning. I want you to lift your hand. We're going to pray together corporately in just a minute. If you pray that this morning for the first time or you're rededicating for the first time in a long time, I want you to come see Pastor Hector and Susanna. Will you just wave just so they know who you are? I want you to come see them after service. They want to pray with you and give you a gift. We're going to pray this prayer. Prayer isn't what saves you. Jesus' blood is what saves you. It's a great entry point into a relationship with Him. I'm going to pray this this morning. Jesus, I repent of my sin. I choose to think differently today. I lay everything that I've carried at your cross today. Today, I'm a new creation in you. I commit my life to a lifestyle of change by pursuing your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or visit www.equippingcenter.us.